At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook, a Thursday show for you. Adam Chernoff of Covers is going to join us. We will break down the AFC East. Uh, we did the NFC East the other day, so the AFC East will be today. Season win totals, futures, uh, maybe some week one stuff. But it's a baseball show to start, and what a wild night it was for the baseball as Yankees win. The Mets win both huge wins. The Yankees in dramatic fashion. Both teams in action today. Yankees minus 136 against Toronto. Uh, that is Montas going against Barrios. Uh, normally, I would say, you know what? Just keep fading the Yankees with their lineup, with the way they're hitting. But a win like that almost uh, got to keep you off of it. I, I know the old saying, momentum is the next day starting pitcher. But a win like that, uh, it, it does put a little doubt in your head that maybe, you know what? This is a point where the Yankees turn a corner and sort of get back on track here. Again, I don't really trust them to lay this price, especially without Stanton back. There's just a lot of holes in this lineup, but Yankees uh, minus 136, total eight and a half here at Bet Rivers. That is Montas against Barrios. Mets line just popped up. Mets minus 121, total is seven. Now, the pitchers aren't listed, but if the Mets are minus 121 with DeGrom going, that tells me that Freed is going for Atlanta. That line should not be seven. So I'm going to go with the under there. Uh, as we'll get to both of the games from last night, and we'll get to the Mets, obviously, with a huge win as they continue to fend off Atlanta. Every time Atlanta creeps in, the Mets counterpunch and just get a little distance more uh, away from Atlanta as they got a chance now to push it back up to six in the loss column tonight. But we got to start with the Yankees. And what was – boy, you look at the standings, and they are now up 10 games over t- uh, Tampa, over Toronto. So when you're up 10 games, you don't want to say something's a season-saving win, but it just felt like the Yankees – needed that win 
They've been playing so badly. They haven't been able to score. They've had injuries. They've had everything go wrong here for a couple of weeks and really since the trade deadline. And, and not only have they played poorly, but the guys they traded away have been great. Montgomery basically hasn't been given up a run for St. Louis. Gallo's come back to life with the Dodgers, which I can, kind of think we all saw coming. And, uh, you know, even uh, J.P. Sears, who they include in the Montas deal, has pitched well for Oakland. So it's been so bad for the Yankees, and they fall behind 4-0 last night, and we're saying, you know what? Starting to look at the standings. Toronto's got an easy upcoming schedule. Is it possible the Yankees kind of give this division away? It really started to creep into your head. And I think last night was a, a game that was just so important for uh, their psyche, for the standings. They're now up 10. It's still in, uh, 9 in the loss column. So still some breathing room. I, I think this is a win where they can kind of stabilize as they get Stanton back pretty soon. Sounds like next week he'll play some rehab games this weekend. And what was just a wild game, just a, a classic game, down 4 nothing. Felt like the early season Yankees were down 4 nothing. Cut it to 4-2 on the Glaber-Homer. Rally again in the seventh where they get a couple singles, couple walks. Looked like they were going to tie it. Four-pitch walk to judge with the bases loaded. Then Torres hits into a double play on the first pitch, which... Look, people can say, you know what, you got to take a pitch there. I think they're just playing the results because if he hit a three-run double, nobody would say, you know what, you got to take a pitch there. Sometimes when a pitcher's rattled like that and he's walked in a run on four pitches, he's just trying to get over a strike. He might come over the middle with something, and that's the time to do damage. Uh, Torres, you know, hit a homer early in the game. I think the only complaint there with Torres, he didn't hit it hard enough. You got to get a better part of the bat on the ball. You got to just make better contact if you're going to be swinging in that type of scenario. But Rizzo homers, then they go to extra innings where – it looked like Chapman was going to get out of it. You know, the key thing in these extra innings is get the first guy out without the man on second, the ghost runner advancing, which he did. But then he walked the next two guys, and then he fell behind 2-1, and it looked like he was going to unravel and come, comes back to strikeout Siri looking. And then he had 1-2 on Mejia. It looked like he was going to get out of it unscathed. The Yankees could win it in the bottom of the inning. And Mejia clears the bases with a double. And you, at this point, I'm sure a lot of people just turned off the TV at that point and said, you know what, Yankees aren't scoring three runs in an inning. But they would have missed this in the bottom of the 10th with the bases loaded. Josh Donaldson, courtesy of WFAN Yankees Radio Network and John Sterling. Swung on, hit in the air to right toward the line. That ball is going to be gone. It's a grand slam, a walk-off grand slam to win the game. Josh Donaldson powered one down the right field line into the seats. It's a grand slam. That's Josh, by gosh, and doing it with a notch, a grand slam, and the Yankees get a win. Oh, did they need that win. Wow. And that actually was not a great call by Sterling. He didn't give you the Yankees win, the Yankees win. He didn't give you the high, far gone. It's definitely, I mean, look, Sterling's 85 years old. You could say he's lost something off his fastball. Boy, he can't even, uh, he's not even reaching the plate anymore. I mean, that was a very, very tame call for that situation where the Yankees hit a walk-off grand slam down three runs. Very rarely do you see it in baseball, a walk-off grand slam where guys, they're down three runs and they hit a walk-off grand slam. But that is like uh, once in a year, once every couple of years type of scenario. You can't hit a bigger home run than that so a little bit of a tamer call there by Sterling but just an incredible game an incredible win as the Yankees look they get a little new blood since the last time we talked they call up Cabrera which is odd I think a lot of people were expecting if they're going to call somebody up it'd be Peraza but they went with Cabrera they call up Florio who made a nice shoestring catch so it seems like they banish Hicks but then Hicks pinch hits for kind of in extra innings or I think it was the bottom of the night so boy there's just so no, no rhyme or reason sometimes with what the Yankees do it but they get off the mat. They get a big win. 
I would lean towards them winning today. I just can't lay this kind of price with the deficiencies in their lineup. I would sort of lean towards Toronto with the plus number, but the momentum of last night's win keeps me away from it. So that's going to be a no play. I am going to play under seven of Mets Braves. And uh, again, every time the Mets sort of see their lead start to shrink, Atlanta uh, can't just sort of close the gap enough where they take the lead, get within you know, the game or two they need to, to really close this gap as the Mets and Scherzer. The final line for Scherzer is not going to look pretty because he gets pulled, which I was surprised Showalter pulled him. I was really surprised Showalter pulled him. And then Adovino looks like he gets a double play. They overturn it on replay, and then it goes for a grand slam. Uh, so Scherzer ends up giving up three earned runs. I would have left him in there. I just trust Scherzer more than Adovino. The pitch count was reasonable at that point. I know he sort of lost the plate there for a minute with Harris, but I would have still left him in. That being said, uh, a great performance by Scherzer. They jump on Odorizzi early. Marte homers. He homers again later in the game. Lindor homers. And the Mets now back up five in the loss column, and they put the best pitcher on the planet on the mound today to push it back to six. And as I've mentioned in the past, once the, the Mets – uh, clear these Atlanta games. And remember, they started this nine-game stretch versus Atlanta two weeks ago today. And they are now, let's see, four and one, five and three. So at worst, they're going to be five and four. At worst, they're going to be five and four uh, in these nine games. And the lead will be four. But at best, they win today. They're six and three, and they push it up to a six-game lead in the loss column. And again, as I mentioned, with the Mets schedule down the stretch with all the games against the Pirates and the Nationals and the Marlins and the Rockies and the A's, the Mets are going to be very hard to catch, even with a four-game lead in the loss column. With six, uh, this thing will be wrapped up pretty soon. The Mets will cruise to the a NL East if they can win today. They'll still win it if they lose today, I believe, but it'll be a little tighter, especially considering you know, Carrasco's on the IL. Walker, we're not sure. It doesn't sound like he'll hit the IL, but who knows if he'll pitch this Sunday in Philly when it's his turn to pitch, which could be a tricky spot because you have four games on the road in Philly. You have no DeGrom. You have no Scherzer. Carrasco's hurt. That could be a tricky scenario here this weekend. You don't want to lose three out of four. You can figure with your pitching scenario with Bassett, you call it Peterson. You know what? If you could just get a split this weekend, Atlanta does play Houston. So uh, not the worst scenario, but you, you don't want to start losing these pitchers here. I know you got a big lead, but once you start losing pitchers, that's where things can, uh, can get dicey. But look, Carrasco, who's going to be out a month or so, sort of did his job. He filled in when Scherzer was hurt, when DeGrom was hurt was more than uh, serviceable, was really good for the Mets, even though it wasn't pretty all the time. But now the Mets are going to have to fill in the gaps here, especially if Walker's out, which I don't – it sounds like he's going to be okay, even though he was pulled from the game the other day. But, look, the Mets continue to show toughness. That was a uh, that was a sweaty sweaty couple of moments last night where the Braves you know, got the tying run to the plate with Acuna in the ninth. Braves cut it to a run in – it was the seventh, and Acuna gets thrown out again, stealing second. Acuna's got to stop trying to steal second base. I mean, this is the third time in two nights Acuna's gotten thrown out trying to steal second. Enough. You're not going to – just, just stay on first base. Hope, hope for somebody to hit the ball in the gap. Enough. Um, but the Mets here just continue to uh, to show a lot of toughness between Showalter and Scherzer. It's just a different feel to this Mets team. So uh, Mets in good shape here. Mets are in really good shape. Like I said, minus 121 today. I would bet that seven as soon as you can find it. I, I, my guess is by the time you listen to this, that seven will be gone. Because if it's DeGrom versus Freed, and again, if DeGrom is minus 121, it has to be Freed on the other side. Yeah, that should not be seven. That should be like I thought that would be six. I thought there was a, a you know thirty percent chance that would be five and a half. Talking Degrom versus Freed now. Maybe Freed's not built up with the pitch count, but uh, I'm very surprised that's a seven. That's a uh, that's a big bet for me on the under seven. As we look at the futures here in uh, Bet Rivers, the Bet Rivers app, it is 
Dodgers plus 350, Astros plus 385, Yankees plus 450, Mets plus 475. These are odds to win the World Series. Then you have Atlanta 11 to 1, Toronto 20 to 1. The Padres, who have not played well at all since acquiring Soto, are 20 to 1. And then we start to look at the divisions, which, boy, the Yankees still minus 10,000. The Blue Jays 25 to 1, the Rays 40 to 1. Those numbers have certainly sh- shortened. I would still need a little more to jump in there. But, boy, if the Yankees lost night, lost last night, I would be looking to play somebody else in the American League East with how poorly they have played. So uh, that's the AL East. Mets still in good shape, minus 670 to win the NL East. Braves plus 500. Again, if the Mets lost last night, that number would be very much shortened because that would be down to three in the loss with a chance to go to two in the loss tonight. So that was a huge win for the Mets as they are still minus 670 to win the East. Uh, haven't mentioned the MVP in a while. Judge up to minus 625. Otani plus 400. Alvarez 50 to 1. And then in the NL, Goldschmidt minus 190. And then there's a big drop off. Riley 6 to 1. Arenado 11 to 1. Freeman 15 to 1. Alonzo 20 to 1. Betts 23 to 1. Machado 27 to 1. Again, I would still be looking to fade Goldschmidt there. I don't know that Goldschmidt uh, is a rightful minus 190 favorite. So good action last night for baseball. Two more good games today. Yankees-Blue Jays should be fun. Mets-Braves, the last of the nine games here, should be a lot of fun. Mets have a chance to really put their stamp on this division and and really put it away for good today with a good DeGrom performance and a win against Atlanta. Um, And again, these Atlanta-Mets games, they've been pretty predictable. It's basically just been take the better pitcher. Last night, Scherzer against Odorizzi, you take the better pitcher, you win. I told you Monday I thought Atlanta would win the first two, Strider and Morton going against Carrasco and Walker. So these games have been pretty straightforward here uh, with the Mets and the Braves. And again, Freed's really tough. So this is more of a toss up. I would certainly lean towards the Mets here. But again, that under seven is very appealing. So that's the baseball. But coming up next, the AFC East with Adam Chernoff. Futures, who's a sleeper? Who are we fading? That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook, and he is back. Adam Chernoff of Covers, one of the great NFL handicappers in the business, joins us. Adam, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Right into the swing of preseason. So this is, it started a little earlier, but feeling great. Uh, let's just get right into it. And again, for the listeners here, we're just going to go through every AFC East team. We'll, we'll give you a, a lean, a thought uh, on the over-unders in terms of the wins, Futures, odds to make the playoffs, maybe some week one matchups. And uh, let's just get right into it. Bills, huge favorites in the division, as you'd expect, minus 225. Dolphins and Patriots, both plus 450. And then the Jets, 18 to 1. Uh, before we get into the specific teams, is there any scenario that doesn't involve a Josh Allen injury where the Bills do not win this division? I think so. Don't you kind of feel the Bills are overpriced? Like, this is as high as it gets for a team, and they just, they're at that level, and then some, aren't they? They are. I mean, the market certainly thinks they're the best team. I don't know who I'd pick over them. I think we saw the gap between them and New England. When the weather was fine, I mean, they really did a good job taking care of New England last year. Maybe if you believe in Tua taking a leap, getting the arm strength back after the hip injury with all of his weapons, maybe Miami. Obviously, I'm not there with the Jets. 
I mean, I'm usually looking to fade the best team, but I just don't know who I would fade them with. Yeah, it's it's tough from like a matchup perspective, but around the Bills specifically, um, I think the the biggest threat has to be Miami, just because of the improvements. And don't get me wrong, I'm pretty high on the Patriots from a from like a scoring perspective. I think the market's really missing them, but their defense and the changes they're going to have to go through scheme wise. I think hurt them, but so I think I think Miami's a legitimate contender to knock off Buffalo within the division. Interesting. All right, so let's just let's start with Buffalo at the top, eleven and a half, and it's juiced towards the over. Boy, it's hard exactly. to get to twelve. I know you got the seventeenth game now. I, I would have a hard time going under. I personally haven't bet this. Uh, again, um, eleven and a half, juiced towards the over. Do you have a lean here in terms of the over under? Uh, not so much a lean, but I would say if I'm put on the spot. I would, I would rather be stuck with a ticket on the under than a ticket on the over. Um, I say that because I think last year, amid all the strength of schedule and all the usual stuff we hear about, the Bills benefited from playing a lot of backup QBs, teams in weird positions. They had a lot of weather games that kind of aided the defense. Uh, I think this year, defensively, they're in a bit of a more difficult situation, obviously, with who they're going to be facing and how much that skews. But numbers-wise, I think that's kind of making this defense assumed to be a lot better than it is. And where the concerns for me lie on offense, Dayball's gone. That'll be significant. But there's a lot of conflicting reports over reduced runs for Josh Allen, more commitment to a traditional running game. McDermott's kind of stepping in and there were a lot of battles between him and Dayball a season ago and it feels like McDermott is kind of trying to take over this offense to be his which isn't a good thing for Bills fans now the talent may overcome that and mask that but it's to me a little bit concerning the direction it's going a little bit yeah, it's funny. They sort of went the anti-analytics route. I mean, if other teams did this, they would get killed for it. They drafted a punter. They drafted a running back pretty high. I guess when you have a good team, you can kind of get away with that stuff. You can draft for need. You can Those are sort of uh, luxury items. But it's funny, just sort of the draft strategy, drafting a punter. The punter's great, by the way. I don't know if people watch them from college. I think it's Ariza. Uh, and the running back, you know, Cook is, is a good player. But it's just interesting the route they went. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The talent on this offense is as good as it gets in the league. It's just, to me, a lot of that was enhanced by Dayball, the extreme pass rate, the emphasis on getting out to early leads, how aggressive he was on first and second down. Like, he did everything right last season, and almost to a point where we haven't seen it at levels that high. If that's taken away and McDermott does what he's saying he wants to do, it kind of restricts how good this offense could potentially be. And that's where it's interesting. And like you said, the draft, the offseason, there's a lot of tells that to me just suggest it's going to be a little bit different. They had the replay on like a week or so ago of the Kansas City game. First of all, oh. 13 seconds. You can't kill it enough. Not kicking it in bounds. It's, I mean, everyone's been over it. So I feel it piling on. I never like to pile on, but that was as bad as it gets. Playing off the receivers, as bad as it gets. But I think what gets lost, they got very conservative in the middle of that game. There were some. There was one uh, drive. They ran it three times and punted. And there were a couple more fourth and ones, fourth and twos, where they didn't go for it. Allen, they were, I think they were four for four on fourth down. Allen was just a monster in that game. They could have gotten anything they wanted. I thought very quietly, didn't get uh, killed for it. McDermott got very conservative in the middle of that game. 
that's what he does. And that's yeah. really the fear here is that becomes sort of the norm and the game planning and the overall strategy for how they want to handle it. It, it could just be really, really different. And I think the loss of Dayball is going to be felt. Yeah, six to one short shot to win it all. Probably no value on that number, right? Not for me, no. Way too short. How about Allen, eight to one to win the MVP? Seems like there's sort of a narrative thing here with him where that could be at play. Now, again, he's the short shot. Not crazy about taking the short shot in any of these markets uh, this far out. But they came up short last year. You know, he's kind of the new kid in town. Do you buy the Allen MVP narrative? Probably not at that price, to be yeah. honest. That's like you mentioned, it's really, really short. Um, historically, you need north of 11 wins. You need close to 40 touchdowns, less than 10 interceptions. You have to break the 4,000-yard passing mark. So he certainly fits within that criteria of what could ultimately transpire. I think he's probably the, the favorite here for a reason, but it's, um, I don't know, it feels just too short for me. If you had to pick out of the whole league, if we were drafting the whole league just for this year, would is Allen the best player? Patrick Mahomes. Okay. No, that's, we're not going. We're not going Allen yet. And look, I think I'm still with you. Uh, Can I make my case for Allen though, even though I'm going to uh, disagree yeah, with myself because I yes. would probably go Mahomes. Yep. I just think cold weather, the, the short yardage, the ability to run. I just think you know Mahomes. If you get him in cold weather, like a really bad, windy, cold day. Uh, I don't know that you know he would still be the same. Where Allen, he, the short yardage, the strength, the running ability, uh, is something that me could be a tiebreaker. But I like I, you know, I'd still probably go with Mahomes. Here's the uh, to me the interesting part is um, Pro Football Focus has a wins above replacement metric that's really good at grading performance, but also relative to league average and other players at the position. And the leap for Josh Allen from year one to two to three. After year one, he was almost a below replacement level quarterback, and now he's like four and a half wins above replacement. Like it's an unheard of jump, and I wonder how much of that was Dayball and scheme. And this year will be very telling in that regard. So it's almost like we went from two years ago not thinking much of him at all, accuracy issues, everything, to now being borderline. We're discussing if he's the best player in the league. We've never done that with Mahomes, and it's almost like Mahomes is going backwards despite performance not necessarily warranting that so i think the conversation is a little bit cloudy from this offseason but um i still go mahomes josh allen is the worst thing for some of these teams because he was a bad quarterback who turned into a great quarterback now all of these teams you hear all of these fan bases with bad <laughs> quarterbacks say hey josh allen turned around so my guy's gonna turn around i mean it's like one out of a thousand there's so many more cases where the, the bad quarterback stays bad allen's the one out of like a thousand so i think it's bad for these fans and it's bad for the organizations that kind of trick themselves and think all right my guy's gonna turn around like allen allen's a very rare case very rare case, yep. And like I was saying, that, that jump that he had is unlike anything we've seen. How about week one against the Rams? I actually have some. I think I'm with you on, on your thoughts. You were on Follow the Money the other day. Uh, any plays here, any leans, Bills, Rams, week one? Bills now one-point favorites, total 52. No, not a lot for me. I haven't bet anything personally, but uh, let's wait and see what happens with this total. The Stafford news will be quite impactful, um, depending what it is. I'm not sure what entirely to make of it yet. There's a few more days have passed, so um, waiting on the sidelines for that one. I think the total is a little short, just because if you give McVay this much time to prepare, I think that could be a good thing for points. 
And I think you're going to have to take the field against Buffalo. I know McDermott can be conservative, but you have to take the mindset mindset when you're playing Buffalo. Hey, we need 30 plus to win. We're not going to win this game 20 to 17. So that means going for and fourth down, kicking, you know, going for touchdowns instead of field goals. So I would think you're going to have to be aggressive to beat Buffalo. So that 52 looks a little short to me. This is a question that I don't even know the answer to, and I'm asking it now because it's relative to handicap. But I don't know if Allen played indoors last year. And I know that offensively late in the season, there was a lot of weather that suppressed both the offense and the defense. And so now you're getting him indoors in LA, super fast track. That defense, I think, like we were talking about, kind of takes a step back because of that. But it's an interesting interesting total if Stafford's healthy. And I'm, I, I'd lean at your direction for sure. But it's, it, it's potentially a very different team relative to what the market prices them at if you get them in that controlled environment i really think that matters yeah might be a nice teaser piece too for whoever's catching one you could have gotten the bills plus one now you can get the rams plus one if you can really get that one and a half go through the three the seven probably a good teaser piece uh assuming stafford uh is okay yeah dolphins patriots are kind of twins here really both 40 to one to win the whole thing both sit at eight and a half for the win total uh both plus 450 to win the division they play each other week one i i guess we'll start here with the patriots who did make the playoffs last year uh any lean here in terms of the win total for the patriots no lean on the win total but i i feel pretty good about the handicap and how i see the team overall and i think this is going to be quietly a very high scoring team uh, both on offense and then high scoring for what they allow their opponents i think it's a nice over team week to week the reason i say that is offensively Mac Jones, body transformation, very likely that we see all the rumors about the increased tempo, the increased pace, all of that come true. Uh, I think they were they were looking ahead to that, and it wasn't an accident that he focused on just extreme conditioning all offseason. So I think that's one tell. The second tell, they eliminated the fullback position from the roster last season, 23% of offensive snaps for the Pats had a fullback on the field. And now you're looking at the running back room all of a sudden looking very, very thin. And they added some receivers as well in the offseason. So there's going to be an offensive shift, I believe, for the Pats. It's more tempo, more three wide receiver sets. And we're going to see a lot more passing from them. And I'm generally quite high on Mac Jones after last year coming into this year. So I think that's, that's sort of stock arrow pointing up for the Pats offense. Defensively, lost a bunch of key pieces, lost their best man corner, J.C. Jackson. Pats have been sort of an extreme man coverage team for the last number of years with Belichick. I don't think they can play that consistently this year. And if they do, it puts them in a disadvantage. So I think there's going to be a lot more zone coverage from the Pats, which we haven't really seen before. And it's going to allow, I think, teams to move the ball a lot easier without those key guys in the secondary in the middle of the field. So I think the defense gets a lot softer for the Pats too. And I, I think that could honestly be sort of something Belichick saw coming to causing the offensive shift, knowing what he did last year. Couldn't really work if the defense takes a step back. So I really like the Pats in games with lots of points in the course of 2022. Uh, any bets in terms of yes to make the playoffs? Would you take a stab at him to win the division? Sounds like you like Miami more than anything that's really bettable here in terms of Patriots in the futures. Yeah, Zach, I go Miami over from New England. Like you said, the prices are very similar. I think there's a, there's a much higher ceiling with Miami. 
Yeah, I could buy that. And I'm with you on Mac. I, I came into last year thinking, you know what? He's not overly fast or athletic. He doesn't have a huge arm. With all these, you know, not even great quarterbacks, superhero quarterbacks, how can you win with a guy who doesn't have those physical traits? But he really impressed me. I thought his decision-making, his accuracy, I think he's really good. Yeah, and this year is going to be, the, I think we'll see a, a nice leap as we usually do with some of these guys in year two. I think it's a, a big step up for him with how he's switched around, how he plays. What a like to have them get another big time receiver though, or a big time receiver, Debo Samuel. Somebody that look, Adams got traded, Hill got traded. Some of these wide receivers were available. Uh, what a like to see them get like that big go to, you know, guy that you have to double team. Yeah, Parker's probably not the answer. Whether they try utilizing their multiple tight ends a little bit more, that could be something. But I've missed in the offseason, I thought, for them not getting that big number one guy. Let's go to your team here. The Dolphins plus 450, eight and a half. Uh, you know, both, uh, again, 40 to one to win the title. Any bets you would make, any bets you have made? So, uh, Dolphins to make the playoffs. Um, curious what that is right now at Bet Rivers, but um, I think that's worth a look. And then win plus total 40. Plus 140s. Yeah, really good. Um, I like that for the playoffs. Over eight and a half wins. You can go that direction as well. I'm actually found. A lot more value in the make-miss playoff markets than I have win totals, which is a little bit different overall. But the way the AFC stacked, there's some extra value in those make-the-playoff splits. Um, so I like that at plus 140 quite a bit. Um, I, I I think two is get it's a miss by how people are looking at him. Um, three offensive coordinators in two seasons, injuries that almost ended his career. He's healthy. He now has a trio of wide receivers, which are among the best in the league, top three or four in the NFL. But one thing that he's always had, even through sort of the tumultuous offensive stability the last couple of seasons, put it lightly, he's just super accurate. Like he's able to put the ball right where it needs to be. And going from a defensive coach in Flores to an offensive coach in McDaniel, the one thing McDaniel and that whole San Francisco scheme did so well was get guys open downfield. Tua doesn't need a ton of space to get the ball where it needs to be, but he's going to have all the space in the world with some elite receiving talent. I really think this Dolphins offense is going to be great in 2022 with him. You're talking me into it. I like the roster. They had Mostert, the receivers. Defense isn't bad. They got a pretty good kicker. O-line, too. What was that? O-line's great, too. Yeah, I thought Flores got a raw deal, but you know we'll see what McDaniels can do. Can I give you my one concern? I'm curious. I can ask a follow-up question in terms of how much you weigh this stuff. The yeah. schedule in December. I mean, let's go through the December schedule. At 49ers, at Chargers, at Bills, home for the Packers. Does that scare you off? Well, they're going to be tough games, for sure. Um, I think from a betting side, you're probably going to get the Dolphins at nice prices as we get there. They have a bit of a an easy-to-hard switch sort of late September, early October that'll be sort of the tell to see how the market prices this team. It, I think it's concerning for almost every AFC team that's can that could be a contender because the whole conference is stacked. So it, it, the strength of schedule for AFC teams is skewed so far because of the opponents they're playing. So it's it's brutal. There's no question. But I, I think the Dolphins are going to be really good. So... It, it's, it's a downside for almost every AFC team. 
Yeah, it's almost like they're going to have to be like nine and two or something to give themselves a little cushion to just, you know, maybe you can split those games in December and go from there. Just in general, the schedule, is that something I know some people say, you know what, it's overrated because you don't know these teams could have injuries. These teams overperform, underperform. I don't pay as much attention to it. Or is it extremely important to you? It's it's tricky because people usually judge strength of schedule one of two ways. They look at the win percentage last year for opponents and then they sum it up for 2022, which is something I would not recommend doing. And then the other way that they look at it is they go to Warren Sharp's book and they look at what the projections were. And so that's a lot better, but everyone just kind of refers to the same thing. My two sort of thoughts or tips that I would point out when looking at strengths of schedule. What the team did last year matters, but you have to put context to it. So for example, the Dolphins played seven games in a row last year where they faced backup or third string quarterbacks. Yep. And those were the games that rattled off wins. So you can say whatever you want about the schedule last year for Miami and what the difference will be for 2022. But that context to what happened last year is extremely important because it's not reflected in a lot of just the overarching strength of schedule numbers. And then looking forward to 2022, because there's always a carryover from last season, you have to ask what has changed. And so you have to put some context to the QBs that you're going to be facing, uh, the defense has improved. So it's not as simple as just one number. If you go deeper, there's a lot more you can take out of it that matters much more than just the overarching number that people slap on it. Yeah, because their wins, you referenced it last year. I mean, Ian Book and the the Saints, you know, JV squad on that Monday night game, which was, uh, my eyes are still recovering. That was one of the more painful games we've ever had to watch. You know, Joe yep. Flacco, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson. Uh, they Mike lost White. to Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. I don't think, I think they missed White. I, they I missed they... White, they got Flacco. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, and Flacco actually played decent for them. And then Lamar had the, the COVID game for him, and so he was not nearly 100%. It was all those little things in that whole win streak they rattled off that was really, really skewed, but we just overlook it. I think there's a Brissette game in there, too. It was, uh, boy, it was a murderer's row, and, and they got hot. And then they got right back into it in terms of the playoffs, and they couldn't beat Tennessee, and they, and they were done from there. They did beat New England twice, once early in the year. Uh, once at the end of the year, it didn't mean anything for New England. New England was locked in, so. Yeah. Um, would you take a shot 40 to 1 to win it all, or that's just asking too much? Honestly, I haven't made any Super Bowl futures outside of the Colts. I think that market's pretty spot on a lot of teams. So it's it's not a market that I have much in outside of Indy. You know what I think happens? I think Bengals were 125 to 1 at one point last year. And we saw this with the Rams when they made the when they won the Super Bowl in 1999. And I think you can see this with the MVP. Mahomes won it 85 to 1. Lamar won it. I think he was 75 to 1. When these long shots come through, I think it screws up the market because these books get scared. They say, you know what? I'm not going to hang a big number. I'm going to be very conservative. I'll put everyone here towards the middle and I'm not going to hang any big prices. You think there's some of that? It, definitely some of that. And then it's just the traditional bookmaking favorite long shot bias. Um, the average better will always gravitate towards a longer price more so than they will a, like a shorter favorite. And usually those shorter favorites are priced closer to the true odds. And all the VIG just gets pushed down the board. And so with something that draws action like the NFL, there's a lot of that where those prices at the bottom are really condensed. And you should be getting a much bigger number than you are. But there's just so much VIG in the bottom half that a lot of those prices are hard to come by. Yeah, I see it with the MVP too where... 
big you know, pick out whoever you like and everyone's like out oh, 12 to 1 15 to 1 there's not really that you know 40 to 50 to 1 that's that appetizing so i think even the mvp market we've seen it with that because look these long shots have come through even rogers when he won his first one you know he's won back to back but he won it in 2020 he was 30 to 1 i think before the season remember he hadn't played well before that and like i said yeah. Holmes in in uh lamar were both 75 85 to 1 just crazy numbers yep and we just we're not getting a lot of that available now so it's um, definitely tightening up all right, the Jets. There we go. Six for a season win total. Take it away. You're a Jets fan. Six for a season win total. Eighteen to one to win the division. I'm not even going to list the futures to tempt people. Uh, what do you got here with the Jets? Not a not a ton. I just I'm just so shocked how many people think that there's just this automatic leap coming from the team. Um, I, I just. I'm not entirely there, and I get that the pieces are exciting and everything's in place on the offense. You have a decent receiver room now. You've got support in the backfield. Wilson's numbers last year, my God. Like, I reviewed them. I was doing the previews, and I'm like, how was it this bad the whole year through? Now, the caveat was you had to deal with the injuries, the the first year coming into the system. And, and my whole thing with the Jets and Wilson overall is, in college at BYU, Wilson was the king of improv on plays. It was a super loose, free-flowing system. He could use his athleticism to do whatever he wanted. He came into the league with LaFleur, who is the complete opposite. It's this super structured offense. And a good comparison to have in your mind is like Jimmy Garoppolo. He's never asked to do anything in San Francisco within this type of scheme aside from just be where he needs to be to command the offense and let the skill position guys work. And so for Wilson, I think it was a massive change a year ago, going from what he's always done his entire life to stepping into this extreme structure. And that was a big adjustment for him. So that didn't help. The injuries didn't help. The lack of skill position players didn't help. And he was almost always playing from behind, which made it very difficult for him too, with the offensive line struggling all last year as well. So Maybe another year, a full offseason of prep, better skill position guys, more support in the backfield. That could all benefit Wilson. But I just, I think relative to what's going on with this division in the conference, it just seems like it's a huge leap for this offense to become competitive. Yeah, and just uh, for the sake of giving the numbers, 5-1 to one to make the playoffs. You could have gotten better numbers before the draft. Like I said, a lot, like you said, a lot of optimism here driving these oh. numbers. 18-1 to one to win the division, 150-1 to one to win it all. Um, yeah, I just it's hard to see it with this team. It really is. If Wilson made a leap, there's the pieces around him, but they lose Becton already. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what's your best guess here for a season win total? What would you – you would lean towards the under six? I think a successful season for this team – just franchise wise would be seven and that's yeah. probably the ceiling i know that there's some betters that are thinking this is a team that can flirt with 10 wins i just it has to be such a huge leap on offense and we were talking about it like there's there's certain guys you kind of have circled that could maybe make the leap but there's nothing suggesting like a mac jones last year who put up really good numbers like you can see it with him for Wilson to do it, like we're getting back into that Josh Allen territory. You're saying one of a thousand, get it, and I'm with you. It, it's going to require just a huge shift. Um, defensively, 
I mean, the ceiling here is probably a league average defense at best, and you're gonna just gonna need so much from this offense. I don't know. So, I'd say I'd say seven's the ceiling. I think realistically, you're in the five to six win range. If Salah throws another four and thirteen season there, what does that look like? Does Douglas stay around? Does Salah keep his job? I think Douglas is a lot more secure, um, especially after that draft, than Salah is. Um, another four win season. Probably, boy, I, I, it'll be right on the edge. Any worse than that, he's gone. That's, I, I think, sort of the five-win mark. It's probably borderline good keeping him around. Um, anything less, if it's four wins or less, I'll say he's gone for year three. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. And then it brings in the question, hey, do you draft another quarterback if you have a top-five pick? Supposedly it's a good quarterback class. That's, uh, that's another question you're going to be facing if you have another four- or five-win season. No, big time. No question. Uh, anything for week one with them, plus six against Baltimore? I'm intrigued to see where that number gets. Maybe some teaser potential with Baltimore, um, depending where we ultimately get to in about two weeks' time here, but nothing right now for that. Uh, any awards for any of the division just overall? Anybody intrigue you? Coach of the year, rookie of the year? Is that something you, you step your toe into, or are you going to have to see a little more of the preseason? Bet Rivers-wise, um, curious, like, Tua, I don't know if they have anything for Offensive Player of the Year or potentially, I don't know if he's listed in Comeback Player of the Year or not. Um, didn't necessarily miss a lot, but there was some some turnover. But, like, OPY, he's probably kind of 50 to 1 range, or is that, am I really overstepping? getting it now that would be interesting my only thing with that is it, it seems like the the mvp is clearly for it's the quarterback QB. and the offensive yeah. player of the year is for like the best other player the best you know receiver or, or running back so that would be uh, that would be my only concern with that as i'm pulling up I, i've got I, that's like an absolute stretch i bet nothing personally but that would okay. be that would if you wanted to maybe look at tyreek in the season he could have um the the only award that i would look at i think alan's too short would have to be something relating to Tua or that Dolphins offense where Tyreek would be the only one. Like McDaniel, coach of the year, potentially, but they're kind of relative to who wins that last year. They kind of overachieved in that regard. So it would have to be probably a 12-win season for that to be consideration based on how they finished last year. So it's not, um, it's not a very award-friendly division. Yeah, and 50-1 to 1 for Tua for MVP, if that interests you probably need a little more than that so yeah i'm with you it should be fun adam this was a lot of fun let everyone know where they can find you the simple handicap podcast is on every single morning on apple and spotify all football season so that's uh, that's my home for the next seven months and it's a great listen it helps you win you, you get the best of the numbers so it's an absolute must listen to adam appreciate you coming on hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up again during the course of the season looking forward to it thanks again for the time all right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Adam Chernoff. We will be back next week. Don't forget to download, rate, review, and subscribe. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.